It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome to the show. This is Kevin Hardwick. One hour from now, our guest will be New York State Senator, I'm sorry, former New York State Senator George Maziars. Uh, Channel 4 reporter Chris Horvatis will be along to help me with the questioning. Uh, perhaps you heard that uh, um, Albany, New York State, is now a wholly owned subsidiary of the New York State Democratic uh, Party. They've taken over the state Senate, which means they have the Senate, they have the governor, they have the assembly. Uh, life is going to be different. And uh, former Senator Maziars is going to be here to opine on that. First hour, however, I welcome into the studio the president and CEO of Visit Buffalo Niagara, Patrick Kaler. Along with him is uh, business first uh, reporter uh, extraordinaire uh, emeritus Jim Fink. Uh, Jim, <laughs> emeritus, uh, Jim, Jim, Jim you there. and I have played softball against each other in the uh, in the summer, so I know of your your uh, your love of that game. But uh, before you came here today, you told me you were playing hockey. Correct. Uh, we have a. Aren't, aren't you too old for this? No, I'll, they'll bury me with my skates on. Really, yes. really, uh, softball or hockey? Uh, hockey, softball. Hockey, softball. Okay, uh, Patrick, welcome back to the studio. Last time you were here, uh, the uh, study of the uh, proposed new convention center uh, was still being conducted, so we didn't have anything concrete to talk about there. Uh, since then, it's come out. We're in the middle of a public comment period that the county executive has set up. You know, County Executive Mark Polenkars was here a few weeks ago, and he said the first question we have to ask ourselves is, uh, you know, should Buffalo, should Erie County, should this region be in the convention center business? I assume you would answer that with a resounding yes. It would be a very strong affirmative. Now, now, why? Why? Well, can I chime in here? I guess so. Um it's tourism and hospitality industry, correct, Patrick? Correct. So it's an industry that employs 20,000 people in this area. Actually, 33,000. 33,000. Uh, it's about a $2 billion a year industry. You know, we have no problem helping out the GM and the Ford plants of the world as well. We should. And I think we should think of the tourism and hospitality in the same vein as the GM plants and the Ford plants. It's an industry that provides a lot of jobs has a lot of economic impact, positive economic impact in this region. Pat, Patrick, I guess my, my question would be, um, I, I mean, Buffalo and Erie County, we have a lot going now. We're on the rise, so much going on, the medical campus, uh, the, everything going down at the waterfront. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just awesome. I moved here 29 years ago, and, and Jim will tell you, it was just, you know, fall of 89, yep. and for the next decade, next two decades, it was decline, decline, decline. How have we managed to keep the current convention center running this often? I mean, who comes to, 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 to Buffalo while it's in decline? Yeah, well, it, it's a mixture of meetings and conventions, uh, uh, consumer shows such as the auto show, the home show, uh, other smaller meetings, banquets. Um, I can tell you, though, in um, September of this year, uh, we had some fantastic numbers that were in the uh, convention center. And we had five conventions, and the economic impact of those conventions was over $4.3 million. Um, that's in just one month of the entire year. Now, we also we had 14 total events and activities at the convention center, but uh, that was 
you know, the largest segment. And those are people who are coming from out of town. Um, the overall attendance for, for that month on conventions alone was over uh, 4,000. Uh, we had 10,000 people that walked through the door in the month of September. Uh, but when you think about uh, the folks that are just coming for conventions, they're also staying in our hotels. Mm-hmm. They're going about um, eating in our restaurants, taking in some of our nightlife. The good news is when we bring in um, like one, uh, over 8 million visitors to our destination, they leave town. So they come and they spend their money. They, Like I said, they eat in our restaurants. They go to our uh, cultural attractions. So they don't need our schools, our fire, our police, any of those services. But they leave behind, like Jim said, Jim said, nearly $2 billion in economic impact. And the main driver of that for us uh, with BBN is the convention center by being able to lure national, state, regional, uh, uh, just even corporate meetings to our destination. And we're very fortunate that, you know, when we have a 40-year-old facility like that we have that is really showing its age, it is the oldest uh, convention center in the United States to not have a major renovation or expansion project. One might say for much of that 40 years, there was really no reason to come to Buffalo other than to meet people. There wasn't much here to see. You could go up to Niagara Falls, and that's what I was getting to earlier. Now, you see, for for the last, you know, uh, better part of the last decade, now we're on the move and things are are happening, and you could see why people would come to Buffalo, and we, we put money into historic preservation, you know the the, yeah. the Darwin Martin complex and and all of that. Yes. Um, but uh, uh, I, I guess my question is, if people would come to that uh, convention center, the current convention center, for all those years when there wasn't much here, um, you know, now do you need a new facility because there is, is stuff to see, and we've got a convention center. Yeah. I think people. I mean, that argument is out sure. there. No, How do we you address that. We we do because over the last five years we have lost seven hundred and eighty three pieces of business to um, unavailable dates, to the condition of the convention center. And when I talk about unavailable dates, uh, we are not able to host more than one event at the convention center at a time. So, you know, if, if we look at what the uh, uh, consultants propose by pretty much doubling the convention center space, we would be able to do more than one event at the same time. So there's a lot of economic impact that's left on the table. Now, as you said, we've had we've gone through this fantastic renaissance of our community and meeting planners are excited about coming to Buffalo uh, because of everything that they're reading. Last year, VBN alone generated $5.4 million worth of ad equivalency in the media uh, representation and all the publications that we were written about. So they're seeing Buffalo on the map, and we're on all these really great lists with the uh, New York Times. So they're taking note. Now, we do about uh, probably 35 to 40 site visits a year, and they're excited to come to Buffalo. And now they're contacting us and saying, hey, we'd like to come to Buffalo. So we'll do a site visit. We'll take them to some of our new hotels. We'll take them to the waterfront, and they'll say, okay, now we need to go to the convention center. We've got them all jazzed about our community, and they walk into the convention center like, this is it? <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost the same. I want to go back to one thing Patrick said. Mm-hmm. Can, um, the ability for the convention center to only host one event at a time, it's the same thing that happened with the old odd versus key bank center. The same thing with the new arena. Well, it's not so new. It's 20 years old now. But they can Sabres can be playing a game, and in the back of the house, they can be setting up preparing for the concert the next night. Mm-hmm. So it's the same scenario with a new convention center where – 
Convention A can be going on, and they can be doing the load-in for... Well, 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 Jim, I'll give you a chance to ask Patrick a question in a minute, but I have a question for you. I mean, okay. you've been around for a while, and you, you, you as, as reporter for Business First, and, and, yep. and you play hockey, you play, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you play softball. Um, you know, there's this question of, uh, can you consider the convention center in a vacuum? Because in the not-too-distant future, the Buffalo Bills lease is going to expire, and we're going to have some decisions to make there. Do you think – well, I, I guess my question to you is, which, in your mind, is the priority? Uh, can you consider them in a vacuum, and, and how, do we put, how do we make everything happen? Uh, you have to consider them separate but equal because that's a hard reality. The financial pool is only so big, and you're going to be obviously you're going to have to go to Albany to do an ask. So, you, you know whether you have to do both together as a package or not, uh, even though they may not be located next to each other. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee that a stadium and convention center will be right next door to each other. If there, if we have a new stadium, but but you have to tap into the same resources. But basically, the taxpayers or Albany or something. It's very real that public debate but, about the stadium and convention centers will be going on at, at parallel at the, time at the same time, and I'm in sure fact, they're going be on right off now. One another, um, Patrick. Let me ask you a question. Jim mentions going to Albany and asking asking for money. That was one of the arguments for this study for the convention center. You know, people. Some people were a little bit skeptical, and they said when it came to the county legislature, of which I'm a member, said, you know, it's, uh, you know, let's face it, we're not going to do this tomorrow. Why do we do another uh, study that sits on the shelf? And one of the arguments given was that, well, you know, um, next time they're trying to build, you know, major capital things, stadiums in New York City or or, or whatever, we want to be there with, with uh, you know, our ask. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you need is a plan. And this, this study would provide that. Mm-hmm. Um, given that we have the study now, what do you think our prospects for are for help from the state? Well, I think it's very positive because the state does have precedence as far as supporting convention centers throughout New York State. Um, even though the state does own the Javits Center, they are putting $1.5 billion dollars worth of renovations into the center Uh, but they've supported Niagara Falls uh, Syracuse they built uh, Lake Placid so there is precedence and I would think that as the second largest city in the state of New York that the state would um, you know look very strongly at the uh, case that's being stated in the uh, study and really take a look at the opportunity to keep meetings and conventions coming into Western New York. It's not just about Buffalo, but really keeping Western New York strong for the entire state of New York. Okay, and we, have to, we have to take a quick break now, but when we come back, I'll give the first question or the first comment to, uh, to Jim Fink. He's nice enough to help out. Jim of Buffalo First, our guest this morning is CEO and president of uh, Visit Buffalo Niagara, Patrick Kaler. We're talking convention center, and I'm sure we're talking all things tourism. If you have a question for Patrick or for Jim, for that matter, give us a call, 80. 80- What's our number? 8030930, right? Star 930 on the cell phone, and you can go to the text board 3930. 8030930. That's Joe Beamer helping me out there. Joe Beamer, by the way, of The Joe Beamer Show, Black Friday. He's in for Sandy Beach. Going to have a great show. Uh, We'll let him preview that when we come back, but we're late for a break. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930, uh, WBEN. Yes, welcome back to the show. Kevin Hardwick here, sitting uh, with Jim Fink and Patrick Kaler. We'll get to them shortly, but I promised uh, producer Joe Beamer a, a chance to plug his show. B- Bill, or Bill, um, Joe is 
uh, filling in for Sandy Beach on Black Friday. It's going to be the Joe Beamer Show. Joe, what do you have in store for us? Yes, it won't be just a regular topic. We're going to talk about a little bit of everything. Black Friday shopping, is it something you still do? Is it still worth getting up early and shopping the deals Black Friday morning? If so, what was it like? We'll take those calls. Also going to talk about Thanksgiving traditions. What did you do on Thanksgiving? What's a favorite food of you of yours that you seem to only eat on Thanksgiving? And what do you not like seeing on the Thanksgiving Joe. table? Also going to take your calls on favorite holiday songs. We're going to hit it all. We'll have special guests Rob Lucas, Howard Simon, Brian Mazarowski, Mike Baggerman, maybe even Kevin Hardwick will call I, I, in. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Do you, do you think you'll be talking about the convention center? No. All right, we'll have to talk about that now. Uh, Jim, do you have a question for, uh, for Patrick? Do I have a question? <laughs> on the convention center. Um, that's what you do, right? Yeah, you're a reporter. I, I, as Patrick knows, you're, you're a trained he, he, professional. He cringes every time he sees my number pop up on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I, uh, who knows? Um, what's your sense? Uh, we have till December 19th, or the county has till December 19th for people to respond. Do you have any early feedback, you know, two months into this? Have, have you peeked at the results? Uh, I, I saw some early results that were fairly positive, but I will say that when I'm out and about in the community, it's always the first question that people ask me. And then, But it's not even the question of um, how's it going, it's when are we going to get this done? When will this convention center finally be uh, shovels in the ground and when will we get this thing built? Uh, I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of positive momentum with that. Uh, I wouldn't say I've talked to anybody that said, you guys are crazy. We don't need a convention center in Buffalo. And, you know, I'm out and about. Actually, I had a, I've had a couple calls like that. Why are you, and, you, and I've, I've relayed those to you. you yeah. Know, why, do you, why do you need a convention center? All it's going to do is help a couple of hotels, restaurants, and stores. And my response is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it's funny. I, I, I like to read the reader's responses yeah. on the uh, all the news sites and when anybody posts something. And I know I shouldn't do that. Uh, but it, it provides, you know, some comic relief because of the misnomers that are out there about the convention center and the type of business that it does have. Um, but nobody has actually walked up to me and um, expressed any negativity as of yet, and I, and I do welcome it, you know, because I would like to dispel any of those myths that are out there about tourism and meetings and conventions in our community. Well, I, here's, a, here's the thing, one of the points I wanted to make, especially, again, I'm going to go back to the tourism hospitality industry. When you go by the GM plant or the Ford plant, you can see the cars, you can see what they do. If you're in a restaurant, you don't know if the person next to you is from Amherst, New York, or Amherst, Massachusetts. So that's part of the problem with the hospitality. Or Buffalo, New York, or Buffalo, Iowa. Yeah, because you don't know, you don't realize the extent of what the tourism hospitality industry is. It's not only the Patrick Kalers of the world or the people working in hotels. It's the taxi drivers. It's people working in restaurants and sh at the Wallen Galleria, and, you know, working for the Maid of the Mist or whatever. These are people that are employed specifically because of this industry. Indeed, I have a I have a question for you about the uh, the two locations, but uh, but we have uh, Larry from Chictawaga on the line, and I don't want him to hold too long. Larry, welcome to the program. Thank you for holding. Okay, thank you, and uh, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. First of all, I'd like to say is you're, you're, everybody talks about let's put stuff downtown, let's put stuff downtown. Take a look around the rest of the city of Buffalo, like the east side around Central Terminal. There's houses down, there's complete streets that there's nothing on there at all in it. Why can't you put something over there? I'm sure North Buffalo there's stuff like that too, and the same thing in, the, in South Buffalo. Why, why does everything have to go 
downtown, downtown. Mm-hmm. Things downtown and the rest of the city is just falling apart. There's nothing there. Thank, thank you, Larry, for the call. I'm going to cut you loose, and uh, and Patrick will answer the question. You know, that, that kind of gets to my, my questions about uh, the, the two sites. We were limited, and we only had enough money to study two sites. One of them is the current site, and it would be expanded. The other one is uh, closer to the, uh, the waterfront. Both have their pluses and their minuses. The big plus for the, the new one down by the waterfront would be, be bigger. But is it going to be trouble to, uh, to tear away, uh, you know, from the, from the current site? You've got those hotels there that really rely on it. Right. Uh, going and, to the, and as Larry says, you know, other parts of right. the town, too. Well, addressing Larry's question first, um, you, need, you need to have a convention district in order to attract meetings and conventions to a destination. And so we, uh, you know. First off, it has to be in the downtown area because that's where you have that infrastructure. You have the hotel inventory, you have the restaurants, you have the nightlife, you have the accessibility to other cultural attractions for people to enjoy. Um, By putting it at the central terminal or out in the suburbs, Mm -hmm. you don't have that infrastructure, and that makes it less appealing for a meeting planner to – book something in Buffalo or in a, in a location. So that just doesn't work. And so that would not be um, the top of mind place to put a convention center. As you mentioned, uh, with the two locations, there are about 1,200, a little over 1,200 committable hotel rooms um, near the existing site, which would also be the ex- the expansion site. Down at the HSBC site, there would be about 301 rooms. Um, it would require um, more hotel development. Um, but I will say that it's still a very walkable city, um, even if you were staying at the— Except uh, in the winter. Except in the winter. But we do have that uh, free uh, light rail that will take you right down to Canal Side. So conventioners will find their way either way. You know, if you think about the hotel situation for HSBC or a convention center, uh, if the uh, uh, convention center was down at that site as well. People will find where to go to eat and drink and have fun, uh, but they'll also get their uh, hotel accommodations from their hotel accommodations down there as well. It's, it's not that much of a challenge. Uh, but by putting it further away, then that does increase it, that and challenge. And it does, can it I does I, create some problems. Yeah. We, we're, we're up against the clock. Alan Harris is standing by with the uh, news headlines at the bottom of the hour, and, and he's very vindictive. If we run over and we cut into his time, he'll get even with us, and we, we know that. You grew up with his brother, right? Uh, no, my, my cousin. Your cousin. Uh, my I cousin, knew there was some connection. My cousin. And anyway, we'll be back with Patrick Kaler, uh, Jim Fink, uh, right after the break. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to the program. Kevin Hardwick here sitting with Jim Fink of Business First and the CEO and president of Visit Buffalo Niagara, Patrick Kaler. Uh, Patrick, we have a texter wants to know that website where we can make public comments concerning the new convention center proposal. You have the website handy? I do. It's erie.gov slash convention center. And deadline for comments is December 19th. Yeah, I think if you just, if you, if you well, you should be able to remember backslash convention center. But if you can't, if you just go to erie.gov, I think it's it's right there on it. It's Isn't right it, at Jim? the homepage. Yeah. It directs you right to it. Jim, Jim, uh, before uh, before the break, uh, um, Patrick was making some comments about the location. I asked him about the two locations and the relative merits uh, of each. We had a caller suggest that maybe we put it out near the central terminal or someplace on the east side. And Patrick was uh, was uh, talking about the need to have a convention district. Location, location, location. You had some thoughts during the break. Can you share them with us? 
Sure. Uh, let's go right across to the Rainbow Bridge to Niagara Falls, Ontario, to the Scotiabank Convention Center. Their center, which opened seven years ago, I think it was April 2011. Um, they're not, re- I mean, they're on the edge of what they call the Fallsview District, but they're certainly farther away from Clifton Hill in that part. And I think that's a good case study of how you can be close to the hub but not necessarily in the heart of the hub and still be very successful. How, how, how do they do it? Because they have the same climate we do. It's, yes, they do. Uh, it's not easy to walk around in the winter. And actually they have worse because you get the mist yeah, from, from the, the falls. falls that ices things over. What, what do they do? How, do they, how does it they work? Have a, the hotels, they have people mover systems. The hotels work collaboratively like that. So I would think, and I would think uh, Patrick, being the savvy guy that he is, if, they, if a convention center is built outside of the traditional downtown hub, I would think there'd be some sort of people mover system in place. Um, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're not we're not going to leave people stranded, um, but uh, that would come out of any future studies once a, a uh, site is, you know, definitely selected. And I think people have to understand we're not at a locational decision no. yet. First, we're trying to get to, first everyone's trying to get to, should Buffalo be in, should be in the convention center business, business. which yeah, that's is a, question number the one. county executive's question. Correct. Yeah. If we answer that, then we're talking another study. Uh, they're Fle- fleshing out some of the some of the pluses and minuses of right. each of the sites identified as you point in out, the first study. As you pointed out earlier, we can't let this linger. I mean, it's a 40-year-old center. Every day gets more and more obsolete. Uh, there has to be, you have to bite the bullet and say, we're going to stay in the business which I think, this is my own personal opinion, mm-hmm. we should stay in the business, and yes, we do need if, to address the convention If you're center. just tuning in, we're talking to Patrick Kaler of Visit Buffalo Niagara. We're also talking to Jim Fink of Buffalo, or Business First Buffalo. Uh, we're inviting your comment on the convention center. If you have thoughts, give us a call, 803-0930, 803-0930. We go now to the line to uh, Tony and Clarence. Tony, welcome to the program. Thank you for holding. Yeah, two questions and a comment. Okay. Well, my questions are, what would be the estimated cost of building a new convention center? My uh, Also, my other question on that is, how could funding be accomplished? Would it be federal, state, local, bonds? What it would be the funding? But I'll, I'm going to take you back in time. Remember the Niagara Falls Convention Center? I believe we do. Yeah, <laughs> I saw a few concerts there. Well, I used to deal with them on the tickets for basketball when I was the ticket manager. Well, that thing was falling apart. When you had a shower back there, there was water coming from the ceiling. When the Indians took over that convention center, it cost them billions and billions to repair the damages over the years. That place was in effect, and it was. I think the Niagara Falls Convention Center was uh, was actually built later than this convention center. So, so I, are, are you saying that by way of saying the current convention center is too old and we should move on? Actually, Tony, the Niagara Falls Convention Center was built in '74. The Buffalo Convention Center was built in '78. Right. So you see, after a while, obsolete is the word. And yes, we need a new convention center. And another thing, the fellow that talked about Central Terminal, I lived near that terminal for a few years of my life. I wouldn't put anybody near that place because there's no facilities for food, uh, shopping, uh, emergency 
uh, health care. That, that place, you can't put people in that area. It's dangerous. I, mean, I lived there. I knew what it was like. So that you need it in the hub. And, but when you talk about Niagara Falls and Clifton Hill and all that, you're talking about a situation in which the transportation, well, think about it. If they put this convention center in an area outside of downtown Buffalo, what about transportation for people that don't drive? You have to have them uh, mm-hmm. set up. So I say put the new convention center together right. where they have would be the best for everyone all together. All right, Tony, thank you. Thank you for weighing in. Tony uh, Tony and Clarence, that's his opinion. If you have an opinion, give us a call, 803-0930. Uh, Patrick, he asked a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. By the way, before we get to that, uh, let the record show. I mean, this is radio. You can't see that Jim Fink was not consulting Google when he came up with the dates, the respective dates of the convention centers in uh, Buffalo and Ni- Niagara Falls. Very impressive, Jim, and, and we're, we're glad you could be on to show off your knowledge this morning. It's a trivial and useless stuff I'm good at. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Patrick, uh, Tony asked about the cost of the convention yeah. center, well, new convention center. Well, first of all, Tony's my hero. Tony, Tony. I, I appreciate uh, your call. Um, but, yes, it is. there is a pretty hefty uh, price tag to this. It's about out um, anywhere because both of the sites um, require different things and so it could be anywhere from 350 to 450 million dollars um, I think that uh, part of the next studies that need to be done are looking at that financial package what are the financial financial resources that we uh, can approach to make this happen. Um, You know, is it state? Is it federal? Is it local? Um, You know, it's never, ever, you know, my intention uh, to burden our residents with this. You know, again, is there an opportunity for the people who actually use it, um, the out-of-town visitors, to help um, with the cost of this in some way of, you know, maybe it's raising the bed tax. Maybe it's a tourism improvement district. I think that those are all opportunities that we should look at um, as far as uh, how we come up with a financial package for this. But uh, those questions are, again, further down the line. Do we want to stay in the meetings and convention business knowing the economics of this? And then we can figure out all of the rest and how to pay for it down the line. But we have to be fairly quick. We can't study this. We can't be classic Buffalo and study this and then study the study and then study the other two studies. There has to be a decision uh, soon. That you're, you're absolutely right, Jim. Um, one of the things that did come out of the study is that it is functionally obsolete. We will be out of the meetings and convention business, you know, in 10 years, if not sooner. And we're already seeing a decline in well, that. Well, well, I talked to you during the break. I mean, the folks, uh, I mean, e- even folks from here who say, well, I never go to any of these conventions. They still go to the home show, the auto show. The auto show has expressed some reservations about the, the condition of the current convention center. I mean, I know that. They, mm-hmm. they briefed the county legislature on that. Yes, yes? they absolutely have. I mean, they are uh, crammed in there with the uh, exhibits that they're able to put in. Um, They have been expressing for years the need for a larger convention center, um, as well as, you know, where where else would they go? We also have... uh, not an opportunity, but a challenge with the snow symposium that we have hosted in Buffalo for the last 35 years, somewhere in Buffalo, and that landed at the convention center because it outgrew all the other locations. And now they're at a tipping point where in 2022, they may have to move that piece of business to Cleveland or um, Pittsburgh. And that's a very you know, real threat. And that's something that we would love to keep here. It's a local event that, um, well, not local, but we work uh, with our local organizing committee, the uh, NFTA. And it's a great piece of business for a soft period of time. Um, And again, it's uh, 
you know, all about snow and we're about promoting snow in Buffalo. And um, I think that it's in the right location and we just need to give them the right facility to put this in and make sure that it comes back year after year. Okay. If you're just tuning in, that was Patrick Kaler, CEO and president of uh, Visit Buffalo Niagara. Jim Fink from Business First is also along for the ride. We have to take uh, one more break this hour. When we come back, we'll have one more segment with them. We're talking Convention Center. If you have any thoughts, uh, feel free to weigh in. The number to call, 803-0930-803-0930. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to Hardline. Kevin Hardwick here in about... uh, 10 or 15 minutes, we'll be joined live in studio by former New York State Senator George Maziars. Uh, he's a, a Republican, former state senator, as I said, has some thoughts on the uh, takeover of Albany, the complete takeover of Albany by the Democrats, uh, them winning the uh, state Senate, already having the governor in the assembly. Uh, long to uh, help me out will be uh, uh, will be Chris Horvatitz of Channel 4. He'll help with the questioning. Right now, however, we have one more segment with Jim Fink of Buffalo First, Patrick Kaler of Visit Buffalo, Niagara. Uh, and we go back to the phones uh, to Ken and Amherst. Ken, you have a question or a comment regarding regarding the, the uh, convention center. Yeah, this is not, uh, tourism is not just a convention center, right? Right. When I talk to people from New York City and Albany, I ask them, have you been to Niagara Falls? They all say yes. I ask them, have you been to Buffalo? And the majority say, I drove through on the throughway and I didn't stop. So if you want tourism, we have to advertise to other parts of the state to get people to come visit. It's not just it's not just conventions. It's people going to Niagara Falls who don't stop in Buffalo. Sure, sure. Ken, thank you for that comment. Appreciate it. Uh, we uh, we dropped Ken. If you'd like that line, the number to call, 803-0930. Well, Ken has a, has a, has a point there, Patrick, but, but you do a lot of advertising. Or where, where do you do most of your advertising? Sure. Uh, we... Uh typically do our advertising about a 300-mile radius outside of Buffalo. The goal of a destination marketing organization like Visit Buffalo Niagara is to bring outsiders in to spend the night. And so uh, we use a 75-mile radius as our uh, uh, starting point and then go out from there. And uh, But it's very expensive to advertise, and so we have a very limited resource of funds, and so that really just restricts us to that 300-mile radius. So where, we're going— where does, uh, Let our listeners know, where does Buffalo or Visit Buffalo Niagara get their funding? Our funding primarily comes from the bed tax of Erie County. Again, all the folks that come in and spend the night in a hotel, and the bed tax is on— But it's just a percentage of the bed it's tax. It's just a percentage of the bed tax. It's been uh, on a great trajectory. I think we should be close to $12 million collected in bed tax uh, this year, and we get about $3.6 million out of the bed tax. Uh, 1.8 goes to the convention center, and then the remainder of those dollars go to the cultural institution. So that's an investment into the uh, uh, tourism product, if you will, that we get to market. But um, when you think about our marketing budget, we're really outspent by our other competitive destinations, such as Cleveland, Pittsburgh, um, where they're in the probably 14 to 18 million dollars. And our budget, we put together um, a package of uh, marketing funds of about 4.4 million dollars with grants that we receive, other cooperative dollars. Um, And then we also have an agreement with the Seneca Gaming Corporation through the city of Buffalo. And they place a lot of advertising on our behalf that is VBN, unexpected Buffalo marketing um, materials, so or messaging. So, um, but again, we're limited to that 
scope of the 300 miles that we're able to go into. And going into New York City is, you know, a whole nother beast, if you will. Um, that's very expensive. We do mostly digital because that's a little bit more cost effective for us. Jim, uh, uh, unlike me, I, I moved here 29 years ago. You've been here all your life. And I talked earlier, uh, about half an hour ago, I talked about, you know, decline, decline, decline. And now all of a sudden we've, we've rebounded and, and things are looking up. You have a bit longer perspective on this. I mean, do you remember when, when Buffalo was, was really humming and got into the decline? Were mistakes made? Uh, I've read about, I mean, I'm, I, w- I, wasn't, I wasn't here. Buffalo's heyday really was right around World War II, post-World War II. That's when the population was 650 million, roughly. The so count, so most count, of your life has been declined. Is that what you're telling correct. me? Correct. Yeah. I was born in 58, <laughs> so I, by the time I became cognizant of things, we were already on the downhill slide. But you can remember the times when, uh, I, I mean, like I can. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, I was born a year ahead of you, yeah. and I grew up in Binghamton. I can remember shopping downtown, and I'm sure the same people yep. people my age talk about shopping downtown in, in Buffalo in, before the malls and yeah. all of that. Business First, for instance, we're in a building that at one time was the Hangar's flagship store, and you know now we have part of the first floor there, and M&T Bank and Brian Stratton are there. Uh, a lot of these downtown department stores have been repurposed and redeveloped, um, it is a different downtown. It is a different Buffalo, and it really, in, from my perspective, you could start to see the tipping point, the changes, somewhere in the mid 2000s, 2005, 2006. It really took hold, really by 2010. Uh, I just did an economic development report. We do it every year about how much projects are in the economic development pipeline. This year, in the 18 in the eight West New York counties. 18 point, almost $19 billion worth of projects are in the pipeline or were completed this year. So that's pretty so, heady so, stuff. So the rebound started even before Patrick Kaler came here. It wasn't, it wasn't all Patrick But Kaler I will that, say this, and I'm uh, sitting three feet away from him. <laughs> what Patrick has done in the four or five years he's been there is really taken the VBM to the next level. And obviously, if they had more funding, he could take it even higher. I know that's a sore subject <laughs> because historically the bed tax was created with for those dollars to go exclusively to the CVB and all all, all kidding aside, Patrick is well thought of in in, yeah. in the quarters that I or the circles I travel in. Patrick, what the what what difference will a new convention center make to to downtown Buffalo? How will, will that? How, how will that transform it into something better? Oh, I, th- I think it could be the crown jewel of our downtown area. I think it will be the new hub for um, so much happening, uh, the new uh, uh conventions that we would be able to bring, and not even just conventions. You have to think about it as a multi-purpose facility as well, um, where we could bring some different sporting events to the um, uh, facility. Yeah, I, I saw something. Ex- for You, you can't have call, a volleyball I, tournament correct. there because the ceiling is four inches too low or four something? Four inches too low. And um, right now, even if it were four inches higher, we would only be able to fit nine courts on the floor. Um with the new uh, proposed sites, we would be able to put 18, which is more appealing to those uh, volleyball tournaments, um, and making sure that we have those extra four inches of space, too, uh, that are required for volleyball. But it would allow us to do more than just meetings and conventions and banquets, but we could do other um, special events. It would be a game changer for downtown and for the region. We know we talked about the convention center being downtown. 
but the ripple effects, in my opinion, go out into the suburbs as well, and they go into Niagara County, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit even to Chautauqua and Cattaraugus County as well. Um, so it's not just, you know, everyone's talking about this convention center in downtown, but as I said, the impact of that, it's like taking a pebble and throwing it in the pond. You can see the ripple effects out going farther and further out. There's certainly case studies of that in Erie, Pennsylvania, Niagara Falls, Ontario, uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. The, the, the so-called multiplier effect. Patrick, we have, a, we have a minute left in this segment, and then we've got to throw it to uh, Alan Harris in the news. Um, what's the next step? Uh, the next step, again, is getting that public input by December 19th to erie.gov. Uh, then the county administration will look at all of those comments, uh, doing an evaluation, and then we will reconvene the uh, steering committee together to figure out what those next steps will be. We'll be coming to the legislature, I'm sure, um, to uh, figure out what those next steps will be. And uh, there is uh, $350,000 left in that pool for future studies, and it will be you know, looking at what we need to do next to make this happen. But as, believe- as, as Jim says, this has to, this can't sit on a shelf. It's got to, got to move. I mean, as Patrick well, said earlier on, and it's very true, 783 conventions could have been here, aren't here because we that, have not. That'll have to be the last word. I want to thank Jim Fink and Patrick Kaler for being with me this hour. In a few minutes, uh, Chris Horvaditz of Channel 4, former New York State Senator George Maziar's joined me. Right now, it's Alan Harris in the news. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN.